It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley. We welcome you to our bonus podcast on a Tuesday, coming off the Christmas holiday, Great Sports Weekend. Our bonus podcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores in San Diego. Nine locations to serve you as we come through the holiday season. If you've got plans for construction projects around your home, whether it's door whether it's windows, whether it's swimming pools, whether it's patios, whatever it is, think Dixie Line Lumber. Nine locations to serve you over a hundred years in business. Nice Christmas, John Riley, and yes. on we go to right after Christmas. Boy, there are a ton of stories to talk about. Did you get Christmas gifts or a lump of coal under the tree? Well, I'm as a Niner fan, I got a lump of coal, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but a lot going on. NFL, college bowl games, a lot of uh, rotisserie league, hot stove as well. Now, before we get started, just some business things to take care of. Have you joined our team? It's called Hacksaw's Insiders Group, and the guy that's created the Insiders Group, John Riley, is going to tell you how you can join our team now. Yeah, so you want to be part of Hacksaw's Insiders Group, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com, upper right corner, an orange box. Just put in your email, join our list. We're sending out the best 15 minutes of sports daily. You'll get that. Plus, we've got a lot of creative things planned for 2024. And a reminder, when we're done talking and arguing with each other, we're going to talk and argue with you. We call it Fans Forum. We want you to be part of this podcast at the end of this bonus podcast. John? Yeah, talk to me, San Diego. You know, this is your chance to get involved. If you got a comment or question for Lee, put in in the live chat on YouTube and on Facebook. And I've just been told that you can actually now do it on Twitter. And if you put in the question or comment there, we'll see that in fans form as well. And a reminder, we want you to subscribe so you will get all the alerts from the different things that we put up on my YouTube channel. We do it almost daily. And, and, you know, share, tell people, you email, text, whatever, your team, tell them what we're doing, have them become part of our team. Subscribe and share. Give us a thumbs up. And it is still Christmas season. We'll take a five-star rating from anybody. John, boy, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to go a lot of different directions at a very quick pace on our Tuesday podcast. Yeah, so let's talk NFL. There were a lot of games even yesterday. Well, the burning question, did you get a Christmas gift with your team or did you get a lump of coal? And that's the big issue. Let's talk about the Chargers-Buffalo Bills game on Saturday. It drives me crazy the Chargers can play so well against a really talented Buffalo team. And prior to that, they caused problems for the Baltimore Ravens weeks prior to that. And in between, garbage performances across the board. How could you be so good in a stretch of time against the Bills and Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson and cause all those problems with Baltimore and lose the games? I will tell you, the defense hung really tough against Buffalo. There's no doubt that the interim coach, Giff Smith, did a good job cranking them up. They must have simplified the defense because there weren't very many breakdowns, and Buffalo's got a lot of people running past patterns, and they caused Josh Allen a lot of problems. And I give Easton Stick a lot of credit. He hung tough in there. That was a hard game to play. Eventually, Buffalo's amount of talent kind of overwhelmed the Chargers at the end. The Bolts are now 5-10. and 10. 
but how could you be so good here and there and be so bad the rest of the time? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, didn't you expect the, the Chargers were going to blow it in the last minute? And sure enough, they did. Um, but, you know, it's just so erratic, you know, with the coaching situation. But a lot of times when a new coach comes in, even on interim basis, the players kind of rise up and kind of play for the new guy. Uh, second game, Raiders, Kansas City. Talk about rising up. That was a pretty impressive performance. A one-dimension defensive performance, zero from the offense, and yet the Raiders beat Kansas City. Two defensive touchdowns in a seven-second span of time. The Raider defense, pick, fumble recovery, four sacks, ten hits, seven tackles for losses. Every time I looked up, Patrick Mahomes is running for his life. They doubled Travis Kelsey, and then the typical fashion for Chief wide receivers this year, drop the ball, run the wrong pattern, line up offside, motion. Kansas City right now is not what Kansas City used to be. I think Kansas City is in trouble because now when Mahomes has to break containment, there's no guarantee the guy at the other end receiving the ball is going to make a play, catch a pass, not screw it up. I think Kansas City is in trouble. And how about the Raiders? Aiden O'Connell, quarterback, Purdue University. Did not complete a pass in the second, third, or fourth quarters. <laughs> they had 62 yards passing, really? and the Raiders still won the game. Antonio Pierce coached himself into the Raiders' job. With These guys are playing with tremendous intensity and emotion on defense. They're almost incompetent on offense because of injuries more than anything else. And quarterbacking, to me, seems to be substandard. So your response, Raider Nation Chiefs? I, I liked it. I want, I like to see the Raiders rising up again. And the Chiefs, you know, they look almost human now. You know, they used to be so excellent on, on all phases of the game. But, you know, we're talking about an interim coach, players playing up. Yeah, Antonio Pierce doing a heck of a job there. Uh, Miami-Dallas, Jason Myers kicks five field goals in that game as the Dolphins overwhelm the Cowboys. Tua throws for 293. Dak Prescott, a little bit slow out of the gate, wound up throwing for 253 in the loss. And now suddenly Dallas doesn't look to be the same team it was when Dallas was hitting on all cylinders. They've dropped a couple in a row. Miami looks really impressive. Miami looks really dangerous because nobody has figured out how to defend all the things that Tua's got at the line of scrimmage. So that was an impressive win, Miami. Kind of a depressing loss because it's now twice in a row the Cowboys have been banged. Yeah, they're like a Jekyll and Hyde. On the road, at home, they're all different. I was watching the game with my son. I said, who are you rooting for in this game? He goes, I just want Dallas to lose. You know, So there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of haters that are loving seeing Dallas having this trouble again. San Francisco, Baltimore. Big boy football, I called it uh, last week. Big boy football it was. Baltimore, five interceptions. Brock Purdy freaked out. He was putting the ball in places he should never be throwing the ball. And just when you think this is an MVP candidate, I mean, he entered the game with 29 touchdown passes. He throws four picks. His backup threw one other pick. They pressured him enormously. And Lamar Jackson was dazzling. And the Ravens scored on seven straight possessions against the 49ers defense, which has been maiming people all year. What an impressive Baltimore win. Now suddenly, are there questions about the Niners? Or is that just a one-off? Yeah, I'm not worried about it. You know, Purdy's been excellent up until this point. But, you know, a lot of those interceptions were tip balls. It was just, it was just not their night. Rams, New Orleans. Could you have ever believed the Rams would be 8-7? and seven? Hey, Hacksaw. 
Are you the one that said they'd go 4-13? and 13? Right. What a coaching job by Sean McVay. Quarterback is healthy. Quarterback is upright. Kyron Williams, a young man from Notre Dame, has become a power running back. Obviously getting the kid out of BYU. Nikoa has made a huge difference at wide receiver. They do have Cooper Cup. They still have Tyler Higby. That's suddenly a really good team. Offensive line has grown together. They've had no major injuries in the offensive front this year as compared to the catastrophe each of the last two seasons that led to Matthew Stafford getting hurt. And the back seven defensively has really grown quickly under Sean McVay's tutelage. And now it's obviously complementary to everything that Aaron Donald does in the defensive front. This Rams team probably forges its way into the playoffs. Now, I don't know if they go beyond the first round, first wild card game, but this is a season nobody expected to see. Well, I think both L.A. teams are having unexpected seasons. The Rams are exceeding expectations, and the Chargers typically are below expectation. But yeah, good on Sean McVay. Nice to see a SoCal team in the playoffs. What do you think about this? If Raheem Morris leaves the Rams as defensive coordinator to be a head coach, could you see Brendan Staley? going back to the Rams to be a defensive coordinator again under McVay? Yeah, I think that's a possibility because those two are still really tight, aren't they? And and McVay, I think, extended some you know positive vibes as Staley got kicked out from the, dark, from the Chargers complex. So that's news and notes around the National Football League. And obviously with two weeks to go on the season, you still got a ton of teams in this traffic jam for wildcard spots. And then we're probably going to have some more coaching changes by the time we get to the end of the season. We go from NFL football on our open forum to talk college football. Yeah, so they're getting Petco <coughs> Park ready for the Holiday Bowl. This is a pretty special time for San Diego. It's really a strange look. I saw a different view of Petco Park earlier this morning. The, fo- the football field is laid out from the home plate dugout all the way at the left center field. So mm. half the seats, it's, it's really good viewing. This is a strange Holiday Bowl game, and so many strange things have happened to the bowl game since COVID. You know, that we had the games couldn't be played. Then we had the crisis with UCLA opting out of the game hours before the game was supposed to be played. And then we had last year's game between two teams, no names, no following. Got USC versus Louisville. That would kind of be a sexy showdown, but it's not. Get this, John. Southern Cal is without 30 players that were part of their team this year. Wow. Caleb Williams, the quarterback has decided he's not going to play in the bowl game. He's going to, I'm sure he's going to announce that he is going to the National Football League. So that's the rationale there. 19 Trojan players in the transfer portal. Now, none of them have really left to go anywhere else yet. But Lincoln Riley is without a star quarterback. He lost his top two running backs. He lost four top receivers. He's lost his top offensive tackle. Lost a couple of people on the defensive side of the football. And it's a shame because it's just not here. It's everywhere. So they're they're starting Moss Miller, who's never started a game, in their bowl game. And then Louisville comes in. They've kept all their kids. And Jack Plummer, a sixth-year quarterback, used to be at Cal, threw for 3,000 yards. He'll start Wednesday against the Trojans. There could be an upset in the making. Now, USC has, has got its new defensive coordinator, Danton Lynn. He's in place. It'll be his defense running with a fragmented roster against what Louisville has to offer. But to me, the most disappointing thing is bowl games used to be, what a great trip. What a great time for the kids. Yeah. It's a reward. We're going somewhere we've never been before. That's all been replaced by who's not on the team, on the plane, 
getting ready to go on the field because they've gone into the transfer portal. Yeah. It's ludicrous. And then, in essence, the conversation would be, well, how do you think we're going to do? I mean, my first bowl game was Arizona State-Arkansas here, Holiday Bowl, when I was doing the Sun Devils. We were so excited. We'd come off probation, got to go to a bowl game. Arkansas mm-hmm. had a pretty good football team. And... All the conversation was that. The next year, conversation was Arizona State, Michigan, broadcast a Rose Bowl. That was electric. Now the conversation is not, oh, I can't wait for this matchup, that matchup. Hey, we're going to this party, da-da-da-da, because I always put on a good show for the players. Conversation is, is my quarterback going to be with my team? Mm. Oh, my quarterback's not here. He's leaving his teammates at this juncture of the season. And by the way, I lost my left tackle and right tackle. And now the running back and the wide receiver gone to the portal. College football is such a disaster right now. And it's just gotten worse and worse. You know there's 2,300 players in the transfer portal? 2,300? Right now. There's 111 quarterbacks that put their name in oh from God. every level of football. Mm-hmm. Starters, backups, transfers, guys trying to be double transfers, triple transfers. Wow. Uh, it's just bowl games are just not what they used to be. Now, I will grant you a week from Monday— Come New Year's Day, we got those playoff games with the top four. That's going to be special. But the rest of it just seems so un- unimportant, so misguided, and that's unfair. It's unfair to the Redcoats and the Holiday Bowl, who do a great job in our community. And the Holiday Bowl has such history and legacy going back to Lavelle Edwards and BYU and back in the day. So it's just not the same atmosphere now. And John Riley says? I say I kind of caught that vibe when I was watching the local news, you know, and they had the players that were on the USS Lincoln aircraft carrier, and the players weren't really smiling, you know. They were just kind of, you know, going through the motions. And usually there, there's a lot of giggles and smiles and usually doing some sort of goofy thing for the TV cameras, uh, but it was just more solemn. So, yeah, everything has changed in college football, and it's not just the NIL and the transfer portal and everything else, but, yeah, they're not in the playoff, so they already know that the game is just an exhibition. And you watch the games this past week, and even the games first couple of days this week, and the camera shots are empty stadiums everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I was shocked. I saw... Was it Eastern Michigan, South Florida? And there there couldn't have been 10,000 fans in the stands. And the bowl games used to be special in each of their communities. Now, the Rose Bowl obviously is. The Orange Bowl definitely will be. The Sugar Bowl. Uh, and obviously, you know, the granddaddy of them all. But that being said, it's just not the same environment right now. Maybe it'll flip. Maybe it'll change back. Maybe it'll be a different cycle once they put these new rules in where the NCAA gets control of the transfer portal and – the NIL. It, they would have much better attendance if they open it up and let's just say it had a bracket of 32 teams and then the Holiday Bowls, maybe a quarterfinal in the brackets. Don't you think that would work better? Yeah, but then you're going to get mismatches. You know, so we're going to have one play 34 here in San Diego. But the stadium will be full. But then somebody gets beat 65 to 7. Is that really <laughs> good? I, they're, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. So the bowl games, to me, just don't feel the same. Let's go from that. We got baseball topics on the table to talk about. Christmas week, so you tell me about your team. What do you want to start? Well, I mean, the Padres got Yuki Matsui, and the fan base seems to be excited, but do they have any money left to get anybody else? Well, according to the Sport Track, which does baseball contracts, things of that nature, the Padres have approximately $27 million left. 
which doesn't buy you a heck of a lot in terms of a star status player. Uh, let's talk about the headlines. Yuki Matsui, uh, this guy is a, we call him the crafty lefty. Uh, can he hold up? Because he's not a power pitcher. He's 93 miles an hour. Uh, does pitch a lot. Um, I don't know if I'd say he has a rubber arm. But this guy has proven a lot in Japan. But in Japan, it's a different game. There's not a hill. It, the, the mounds are flat. It's a smaller ball. So how does that play out coming here where everybody's got big guys at home plate swinging sticks? Mm-hmm. And the mound is higher. I'll be intrigued to see how this works. This guy is a different type of relief pitcher. He's not Josh Hader coming in throwing heat. However, they got him on a very affordable contract at $5 million per year. Mm-hmm. And he can opt out after a couple of years. So that's one item. Credit card bill has come due. The Padres owe Major League Baseball in the commissioner's office $39.7 million luxury oh, wow. tax payment. Yeah. Why is it so high? Well, last year's payroll was pretty high. Mm-hmm. But they were a third-time payer. Three years in a row, they went over one of the thresholds. That's why it's 39.7. I don't think we'll ever see it again because I think ownership is reeling A.J. Preller back in with the budget, bring that checkbook back to us. Mm -hmm. That's a big issue there. Uh, They're still shopping for players. Uh, They need a left fielder. They need a center fielder. Please don't don't mention to me Profar and Azucar are going to be the starters. Because <laughs> you can't you can't flip over the back of the baseball card and impress me with what they've done. But that's where they are right now. That's your right. left fielder. That's your center fielder. Uh, they, they still need at least one more established starting pitcher. But to get a guy like the guys they lost, it's still going to cost them $15 million. So they let Michael Waka and Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo go. If you think you're getting Luca Giolito from the ex-White Sox pitcher, for under 15 or 10? I don't think so. So they got at least three critical spots. They've signed 10 minor league free agents. None of them, with the exception of maybe Luis uh, Patino, have done anything at the major league level. So those are bodies in training camp that will spend the summer maybe in El Paso. I just don't think they have enough uh, on their roster right now. And they just got rid of Jorge Oña. The bonus baby Cuban outfielder. Mm-hmm. They got rid of Michael Baez. Onya. And we had talked about A.J. Preller's wild spending spree. And because the Padres went over the international limit, they had to pay a 50% tax. They signed Onya to a seven, let me check this correctly. They signed him to a $7 million bonus. And because they had to pay a $7 million penalty, it's a $14 million investment from mm-hmm. Cuba. He's the second highest paid international they ever signed. $14 million, He never got above double A. Yeah. He had 214 last year in double A as an older player. Can't play. That's a terrible waste of money. You know, we talked about his buddy from Cuba, Adrian Morion. You know, they gave him $11 million, but because of the penalty, it's an $11 million penalty. It's a $22 million investment. Mm-hmm. That's the negative that I have towards A.J. Preller is you have burned through so much currency on guys that have not panned out. In addition to the guys you signed, contracts didn't work out, and you had to pay teams to take James Shields and Matt Kemp and Upton, etc. 
Not quite sure why he still has his job with the way he's handled the expenditure of money. So the Padres give up on Unia. Last seen hitting 214 at AA, walks out the door with $14 million of Padre money. Am I the only one that's offended by that? So, John, I put a lot of topics <laughs> on the table. You're a baseball fan. Go ahead, fire a few mm-hmm. shots from left field there, on There's Matsui, a lot you had there. Matsui, Tax Bill, and Onya. Yeah, so I, I think Matsui's a great signing. I'm happy with mm-hmm. him. Let's see how he does. They need a, a few more guys in the bullpen. So the, the challenge, of course, is in the starting rotation. You, they got to get one starter. But I think they're hopeful that Morahone, this could be the year that he could step up because he was the number five starter a few years back before he got hurt. So they're going to have to have some of these young guys pan out. And if it's not Morahone in the starting uh, rotation, then it might be like Jackson Merrill or Jacob Marcy that can play outfield because they're, they're not going to be able to sign big guys if they want to get below that luxury tax. So. You know, I I don't fault uh, Preller at all on, you know, paying money to get rid of Shields. We've got Tatis in that deal, you know. So Preller has made a lot of good trades. He's made some bad ones. In my opinion, the good ones are better than the bad ones. It's just that when you trade for Juan Soto, you expect Juan Soto productivity for the year and a half that you had him. And we didn't get that. And I think the other thing that complicates it, everybody's always excited about, oh, what's that down in the farm system? Okay, he's the next one. But then you get him here, or they rush him here, and have all kinds of problems here. Mm-hmm. Mackenzie Gore didn't pan out because he was pushed and rushed. Ryan Weathers did not pan out. Morionis fought through just a lot of different arm problems, and we still don't know if he can last a whole season in whatever role he has. That's the problem with, quote, oh, we got these guys in the farm system. You know, everybody's yelling at me, Robbie Snelling. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's still a ways away. Uh, you know, the Padres have... Darvish, elbow. I mean, you got a bone spur problem there. Mm-hmm. You got Musgrove, shoulder capsule. And what's his biggest pitch? Slider. Mm-hmm. The pressure on that shoulder, throwing as much sliders as he does, that's a problem. And you don't want to have to go to shoulder capsule surgery because that's a year at least. Third pitcher is the kid from the Yankees, Michael King. He will be the starter. Mm-hmm. He's number three. Decent, competitive. But after that, the other guys that got in the Yankee deal are more relief pitchers than they are starting pitchers. And there are no starting pitchers. I mean, please don't tell me career journeyman Matt Waldron is going to be my number four starter. Right. Or some of the other guys that they dragged through here last year. They're just really deficient in starting pitching. Alternative, can you find somebody to take Cronenworth? Can you give me a credible arm? I don't know. But, oh, you're going to have to pay somebody to take part of Cronenworth's contract? That's not good business. So <laughs> they've, just, they've got problems just a bunch of places. There's still some pitchers out there. You could still try to make a trade, Milwaukee, Cleveland. But they're going to call you and they're going to say, you're making a trade. I want one of your double-A pitchers. Well, you know, making a deal to get Corey Kluber, making a deal to get Shane Bieber, that's not going to be inexpensive. So... Padres, I think Padres got a monster problem. And by the way, who's up the freeway? Chavez Ravine? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Otani and Yokohama and what they just got, Glassstone. Yeah. I mean, it's just they're loaded up there. But we can't compare ourselves to the Dodgers. Not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. I mean, we just got to get our own house in order. Like I said, Morhone, maybe a wild card Waldron. Oh, my gosh, if we're depending on him, that's not going to work. So Preller's got to go out and sign someone. Get Bauer. 
Bauer has been, I guess, the cloud is lifted from him to a degree, right? So sign Bauer, get another pitcher, we'll be fine. I'm curious, he needs another hitter, a DH. I've heard that the name Tiesco Hernandez. Who yeah, I but think, everybody's in on him. I would think Garrett Cooper comes back, the guy they did not oh, yeah. offer. You know, yeah. that came, came in the trade, Miami, Tampa Bay, got a little bit of power. Or Gary Sanchez as maybe a DH and maybe part of the catching rotation. So, well, you know, some of the guys they picked up on waivers, the two Capita Marcano before he got hurt, he was really good and versatile as a young guy. We ended up trading him to Pittsburgh. Now he's back. And then if they could reclaim Patino, I mean, wouldn't that be a gem to put in your starting rotation? We shall see where this goes. Uh, they got time. They don't have much budget space. Speaking of money. Oh, jeez. Yeah, the luxury tax. I mean, you mentioned the Padres are on the hook for near $40 million. These other teams, too. New York Mets, all-time record payroll, failed, traded their pitchers away at the end. They went over the fourth tier of the luxury tax. New York Mets had a $374 million payroll under Steve Cohen last year. And, of course, they got rid of couple of pitchers at the end of the season at the trade deadline. New York Mets owe Major League Baseball a record $101 million oh my God. in luxury tax penalties. $101 million. You could buy three pretty good pitchers for Where does all that money go? It goes into the central registry, and then that becomes part of the pool for revenue sharing. Ah, okay. So the Mets obliterated the all-time record, $101 million luxury tax. Padres, second highest luxury tax in baseball, $39.7 million and didn't even make the playoffs. The Yankees, $32 million luxury tax payment, didn't make the playoffs. But that's New York. That's the number one media market in the world. The Dodgers got below the luxury tax for most of the year. They're only paying $19 million in a luxury tax number. Now, this year, with all these expenditures, the Dodger luxury tax is purported to be probably as high as $50 million. So that's where we are. The Mets can afford it. Yankees can't afford it historically. The Dodgers have afforded it. Padres did it. And it's obvious to me, when the Padres got all peeved at baseball, when baseball asked the question with using the word sustainability, mm. it's obvious now Padres can't sustain what they did a year ago, and that's why everything is is reeling back. But luxury tax money, holy cow, the dollar figures are crazy. Well, they're just throwing money around, hoping to buy a championship. And if you look at those four teams, none of them won last year, right? So, Well, uh, injuries had a lot to do But with still, that. I mean, you know, money doesn't guarantee you a win. Um, I'm curious, like, first of all, we've talked about the floor maybe being a more important aspect than a ceiling. But even the ceiling itself, with all this money being spent, you think that ceiling's got to start going up, right? Well, the luxury tax number is based on gross revenue. So each year as baseball's gross revenue goes up, the luxury tax number will go up. Mm -hmm. So if the first luxury tax last year was $237 million, it's probably going to be in the two, 240s to near 250 this year because the total revenue coming into the baseball pot has increased. Now players, ah. players get a part— Piece of that. It's like it's the way the NFL works with their with their salary cap. 
Okay. As, as gross revenues grow in the NFL, salary cap goes up every year. Okay, so there's an algorithm to it. So. Exactly. Okay, whatever right that on. word means. Uh, <laughs> but there is no Florida spending, which drives me out of my mind. Yeah, you, you always talk about why that. Why Tony Clark and I don't exchange Christmas cards uh, <laughs> anymore. Hey, we get to halftime. Our Tuesday bonus podcast coming off the Christmas weekend. Our podcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores in San Diego. John, we like to do projects, whether that's putting flooring in, or that's putting new lighting in the kitchen, the bathrooms, maybe it's lighting out on the patios. When it comes to projects, why did you go to Dixieline? Oh, just because they're good people. And they've been in, in, in San Diego for over 100 years. And a lot of their workers are former contractors. So they can kind of coach you on what you need to do to fix things up. And by the way, this is a great time of year. After Christmas, people are kind of clearing up their Christmas uh, decorations, buying storage, you know, those plastic bins. And over at Dixie Line, they sell also the racks where you can like put them on the roof of your garage and put the boxes up there. So they got a lot of great stuff for this time of the year. That's what would solve my garage problem because I can't park my cars in the garage because I got everything. Everything my kids own in my garage. Exactly. Now. But Dixie Line, you got projects. They are the ones who will be your best friends. You got questions. Go to them. Let them be a consultant for you. Nine locations to serve you. Been in business over 100 years. Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Build it. Fix it. Guarantee you will enjoy it. And before we start the second half of our bonus podcast on a Tuesday coming off the Christmas weekend, John, a reminder about our new fan club. What would you call it? (laughs) We're looking for people to join our team. It's called Hacksaw's Insiders Group. He created the idea. We're going to carry through it in 2024. Just explain how people can join our team. Yeah, so just go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com where Lee actually does a tremendous job writing one man's opinion and the best 15 in sports. Go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com in the upper right corner. There's an orange box. Put in your name, your email. Get on our list. You're going to get the best 15 minutes of sports emailed to you daily. Plus, we've got some great things planned for next year. And a reminder, if you like sports, check my website. I write on it every day of the week. There's the address right up top, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Guarantee once you start to read it daily, you'll get hooked on it because it'll give you information you're not going to get anywhere else. And what happens at the end of the show? Do you think we have a few people lined up? It's like being (laughs) in line at the airport trying to pick somebody up. I can't believe how many people are loaded on that board to join us in Fans Forum. Yeah, you were just complaining about going to Terminal 1 in San Diego and the line there. Look at the line here. Javier, Angel, George, Leslie, I see on here, John, Jake, uh, Molly, George, Blake, um, Akili, uh, I mean, Gary's in here. Just, thanks for joining us. We're going to try to get everyone involved. If you have a question or comment for Lee, put in your your take, your your question into the live chat on Facebook, YouTube, and now on Twitter. And a reminder... Want you to share, want you to subscribe. When you subscribe, you'll get the alerts every time we put something new up on our YouTube channel, which is kind of regularly. Man, are we getting a lot from what we did on Monday. Christmas Day, we put up (laughs) a podcast talking about sports movies and talking zeroing in on hockey and the movie Slapshot. I've gotten so much response from my hockey friends who watched it. So go back to YouTube and just look for the Slapshot podcast we did. If you're a hockey fan, you'll really enjoy it. Okay, other topics, other places. Let's talk NBA basketball. Yeah, I mean, Christmas is usually a time I think about NBA basketball, but these two teams I don't really think about much at all. Boy, this has been messy. This is hard to explain how a team could be down as long as the Detroit Pistons have been down. 
They have now lost 26 games in a row. Think about that. They are 2-27 and on the season. And they've had all these lottery picks. And they've drafted what we thought were going to be really good basketball players. And I look into Monty Williams' face. He's the former coach of the Phoenix Suns who went to Detroit on a big money contract. And he just looks lost. He can't get these guys to compete. He can't get these guys to do what they're supposed to be doing defensively or offensively or running structure to what they're running. It's like I watch Piston basketball. It's like everybody comes down and launches threes. That's all they do. They don't run the offense. And they don't play a lick at the other end. Ball takes a weird bounce off the glass. Other guy gets it, goes down the floor. Piston players and a lot of young guys just kind of stand around looking Okay, wait for the ball to come back my way. It's deplorable. And I don't know, are they going to blow it up again? Are they going to trade all these number one picks that they stockpiled? And they made trades for other guys. They traded for number one pick from Golden State, uh, who didn't get any playing time because the Warriors are so good. They got number one pick, uh, Bagley, a big collegiate star center, came from Sacramento. He's not playing very well. I. Poor Monty Williams. What an absolute disaster. So Detroit's all-time record, 26 losses in a row. San Antonio at least has structure, and they got a Hall of Fame coach in Greg Popovich, and they got Victor Wembayana. And he has played really well for a 19-year-old from France, and Mm -hmm. he's not intimidated by the size. He's got such a wide variety of shots. I watch him closely, and he is not afraid to go to combat for rebounds. He's not afraid— to fight for the ball. He plays hands way above the rim. He changes the arc of all types of shots. And offensively at the other end, he doesn't get bullied down on the block. Yeah, it's tough for him to score sometimes close in because there's a lot of bodies. But he's got an unbelievable set of outside jump shots. I look at him and I I kind of look at Ralph Sampson. When Ralph mm-hmm. Sampson first came in to the Houston Rockets in the University of Virginia, he was a guy to stand out there and drill threes, and, and Wemby has done it. They don't have a lot of good young players around him, but they're all kind of growing this thing. He's got the one thing that most other teams don't have. He's got the brightness and the intelligence and the demeanor of Greg Popovich. Now, granted, they, they had an 18-game losing streak before they upset the Lakers. Can you think about that? <laughs> Wemby and the bunch of San Antonio rookies beat the Lakers about 10 days ago. How is that possible when he's looking down on the block at Anthony Davis, and that's LeBron James coming into the paint with force, and Wemby's making plays? They beat the Lakers. It's just absolutely staggering. So... Are you a Piston fan? Are there any Piston fans? Uh, you can imagine being a sports fan in Detroit. I oh. mean, the Lions have been awful. They're good this year, but they've been awful for so long. Tigers. The Tigers have it's been sp- awful beyond that. Right. And the Red Wings, who well, used to be great once upon a time. Yeah. I mean, even Michigan football is frustrating. So the whole thing, I mean, the the, the, the land of the, what are they, like the hand mitten? They always hold the mitten up like the map <sighs> of Michigan. Uh, but anyways, uh, San Antonio, I think you said Wembenyama's got a little bit of Ralph Sampson in him. He's got a little Steph Curry in him, too. I mean, and not just hitting the threes, but the the passing and, like you say, the IQ. I mean, that dude is going to be good. I mean, he just needs a, a supporting cast. 19-year-old. To be doing that against Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and doing it night by night in the league, and they're not getting them nights off. He answers the bell. He plays. So this is, this is just horrid, uh, what we're seeing from these teams in the NBA. From that, let's go to hockey. Hockey. No one covers hockey like you, Axaw. What's the latest with the Ducks and the Kings? Well, we're coming off the holiday break in the schedule. 
NHL goes back, starts playing again on Wednesday and Thursday. LA Kings have had a marvelous season. They're one of the top teams in the Pacific Division. And even though they don't have a sexy name in goal, Phoenix Copley's been carrying some of the load for them in goal. He's a career minor leaguer. They have so much firepower up top. What a job that Rob Blake has done uh, just making this thing come together in terms of all these roster acquisitions. It's just not Ansi Kopitar. It's Adrian Kempe. And it's just not Kopitar and Kempe, but it's Kevin Fiala who came from Minnesota. They've just got hired guns on each of their different lines who can score. And now Quentin Byfield, the number one pick that they kind of force-fed as a 19-year-old, he's starting to score. He had a multi-goal game right before Christmas. In fact, he's had two games in which he scored a couple of goals. All of a sudden, he's a big kid at six foot five. It's kind of his body has grown into being an NHL player in just two plus years. And suddenly, this is this is might be a star on the horizon. They're doing really well. It's really hard for the Ducks. They've had so many injuries, and they can't keep their kids healthy. They've just gotten Trevor Zegras, the junior sensation, and Jamie Drysdale back on the ice. Those guys have been gone since October and the first week of November with major injuries. Those guys have to score goals because aside from that, they just don't have enough firepower, and they just lost Leo Carlson, the number one pick. A fluke play going down the left wing, collided with another player, Carlson went down. The other guy fell over him. It was not a cheap shot, and he suffered knee ligament damage, and he's gone eight weeks. And Leo Carlson had scored eight goals, I think it was in 23 games, had eight goals, seven assists, 15 points, 23 games for a 19-year-old from Sweden learning to play at this level. Just a tough setback. They just can't stay healthy. They get no breaks whatsoever, and they didn't have enough players to begin the season. Uh, the Ducks' record as we come out of the holiday break is 12-23. and 23. And they've had one winning streak, but on either side of that winning streak has just been just been a real struggle. And it's a struggle down here because the guys I sent to the San Diego Gulls are scuffling real bad again, and they're not scoring goals. So Ducks, Ducks, they're going to get a high draft pick again. I, I'm hoping that one of these mornings, one of these seasons, we're going to wake up and find out the Ducks are a pretty good hockey team because these picks are going to start to come together. But what they got, they keep losing because they get guys hurt. <laughs> well, not only is Detroit a tough sports town, so is Anaheim. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, oh, wow. the trouble that those folks are going through. I, if you don't mind, I just want to switch the topic a little bit to, have you heard any updates on the Phoenix Coyotes? Are they going to be moving? Or Remember, that was kind of they, in play. The Arizona Coyotes yeah. are about to conclude a deal for land up near Scottsdale. And they're going to make the push to build the arena there after failing to get the thing done in Tempe and struggling and then giving up in Glendale. But I think they're, I think they're going to get this building done. Uh, the NHL has just been staunch in its support of the Arizona Coyotes ownership that we want to keep that franchise there. Even though the franchise has not been run very well, has not had any success hardly at all on the ice, but they're keeping it there because of the exploding marketplace mm-hmm. that the Valley of the Sun is. They think they're going to be able to turn the corner, but they're closing quickly on land in Scottsdale, financing for the new arena. Now, it's not going to open in two weeks. It's going to take two years to get done. But uh, the league is not willing to yank that franchise out of there. And a lot of people think Houston might be a great market. Some people think, hey, give Atlanta a kick at the can. And my personal favorite is Quebec City, where they got the marketplace and the economy is better now to put a franchise back in Quebec. But the NHL says, no, uh, we're going to try to 
see this to the finish line with the Arizona Coyotes. Well, maybe they're going to expand into these other cities. Yeah. Down road, maybe. They okay. should. But at this point, I don't think there's a big push there yet to go to expansion. They want to solve that arena problem. Last topic on the table is about one of us. Okay. The, the Twitter was lit over the weekend, Lee. So let's, uh, why don't you break it down for us? Well, John Cantera and I are longtime friends. He obviously was part of the original Extra 690, found a role, found a niche, did really good, became very popular. When that station went away because of corporate ownership, he went to 1090. I eventually wound up going from Sirius XM, uh, home plate channel baseball, uh, to 1090. And we stayed in place there until that went down when corporate ownership destroyed that station. And John resurfaced as one of the first hires at the Padre station, the fan. They let him go this week. I, I was shocked when he called me and said, I have been terminated. John and I have been tight forever. And I was really steamed because I've sat here and I've, I've watched corporate radio destroy the two radio stations that I worked at after a whole bunch of us gave our lives to make that format work in this marketplace. And then, you know, then I found out they terminated him right before Christmas. No severance that I know of yet. Uh, no medical care post-termination yet that I'm aware of, and they gave him no reason whatsoever. And that's really, that's upsetting. Loyal, honorable, worked really, really hard, knows everybody, found a niche. Why would you not want to keep that as part of your team? And what I've been able to dig through the undercurrents is there's a staff issue there. I'm led to believe some of his, quote, teammates wanted one of their friends to take over the midday spot. And John had good ratings. I get access to the ratings. Mm -hmm. I know every day part, mm -hmm. who's doing well, who's not doing well. And the fans been successful, byproduct of having Padre Baseball. The other station, 760, has been a total disaster. Sports Talk Radio is, is no longer successful in this market, with the exception of what the fans doing. But to treat this guy that way... That really bothered me, and I was just really offended by how he was told. He was given no reason. There was never a conversation about, we want you to structure your, your format differently. Usually, if things aren't working, management will come to you and say, okay, we don't want you to do this. We want you to try this. They did it with me at 1090. They said, we're not going to stay on a solo show. We want everybody to have a two-man show. So we tried hard to find the right combination. It didn't work, and they eventually let my co-host go. And then they let me go when my contract expired. I said, okay, I did the best I could. John's done the best he could. I just thought it was really, really unfair. And you're a sports talk junkie. I understand that. Mm -hmm. That's how come we got this thing, this yeah. podcast going. There's so many good guys who aren't working in radio right now who in this market alone. But it's an expensive format to run. But I just – I went haywire because I thought it was really cheap. And I said, shame on the program director for doing this. This man has been special in this marketplace and he's found a niche and is well received and liked. And I felt really bad for John. And I don't know that they'll come out the other side because there's really no other places to go work to do sports talk radio now because the market has compressed itself. And then secondly, you're going to go to work for people that screwed the stations you worked at up before. You're going to go back and work for them. Mm. I don't know. So I felt really, really bad about that. So I made comments, and then suddenly everybody at 97.3 decided they were going to pile on me. That's okay. <laughs> I don't give a crap whether you like me or not. All I right. will say what I believe. And at the end of the day, I thought about this on Christmas Eve because I talked to John twice since he called me and said I've been terminated. 
at the end of the day, if you don't stand up for a friend, what kind of friend are you? Mm. End of discussion as I view it. You got an opinion? Shed, shed what you're thinking. It was wild over the weekend. I was just reading the Twitter. And I mean, not only you, you are standing up for what you believe in and kudos to you for that. And then Woods is chirping back and there's a little bit of back and forth. But then the fans were all jumping in as well. I mean, so there was just a flurry of Twitter activity. But, you know, fans were making assumptions on why the coach was let go and you're saying he wasn't given a reason at all because you the the speculation was either the ratings were low the ratings maybe were not targeting the right demographic um, or maybe they just wanted someone younger but I'm surprised they didn't tell any uh, you know tell coach straight up what the problem was maybe it's a money thing I don't think it's a money thing I, I think it's a personality thing I was driven I think it was driven by some of his staff members and that's terrible because if that is the story that happened, you stabbed a teammate in the back, a mm. good teammate. Mm-hmm. Hey, if I were king and I was starting sports talk radio, mm-hmm. I'd hire me first. <laughs> I'd hire him to yeah. be part of my team because I've been there, done that two different stations with what he did. That's one man's opinion. If you agree, great. If you disagree, that's okay too. But like I said, I just had an ache in my heart that they did this right before Christmas. And what kind of friend are you if you don't stand up for your friend? That is really crazy timing, too. Now, people, some of the fans on Twitter were speculating, and who knows what's true here, but that that the coach knew about this like at least a month in advance. Um, so it wasn't like he was terminated on the spot. But I don't know what reality and, and what some of this Twitter nonsense is. He was shocked. He was devastated. He was upset. And then I got upset. And the leadership of that station and those guys in that station have reacted so strongly to what I said. That might be guilt on their conscience and that might be blood on their hands. <laughs> That's a problem. Hey, our podcast brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Been in business for over 100 years. Nine different locations, San Diego. You got projects looking towards 2024. You need to go see our friends at Dixie Line Lumber. Fans Forum. Oh, my goodness. John, these are your best friends from left field. Ready, set, go. Pick who you want to put on. All right. Well, let's let's pick a couple of football ones first before we get to all the sports media commentary. This is from Angel. He says, hey, I'm not that bothered by the 49ers losing last night. The Ravens are just that good. They'll they'll bounce back next week. Those two teams could be in the Super Bowl in February. Could well be. Although I was a little bit stunned at four interceptions from Brock Purdy, because that's the second time he's had a game where he freaked out and things got really bad, because in another prior game, he threw three picks. Uh, but that's still a really good San Francisco team, and Baltimore is just rolling on offense with that quarterback, and they're doing it with a defense is equally as athletic and tough as San Francisco is. So mark my words, I think these guys are going to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it was like a Super Bowl preview for sure, but I was surprised, especially playing in Santa Clara. And it was kind of interesting to see Sam Darnold on the field, and he made some plays and he made some mistakes. On we go, next question. On we go. Let's go here to John. And he says, hey, Los Angeles Angels fan here, please tell me who you think wins it all um, next year in the Major League Baseball, and please don't tell me it's the Dodgers. 
I don't want to ruin your day, but you asked the question. <laughs> you know, the Do- Dodgers right now with what they've added, I mean, that looks like that is an elite roster right now. I feel bad for Angel Fan. I mean, they don't have any players outside of Mike Trout and a bunch of young pitchers. Uh, I think I've counted, I want to say the Angels have acquired 10 street free agents uh, so far in the offseason. You know, headlined by Luis Garcia, mm. ex-Padre setup guy, who's fine. He's somebody's eighth or ninth pitcher. But if you're going to build your roster with eighth and ninth guys and try to sell it to the fans that this is really good, it's not really good. Now, could things flip? Blake Snell is still out there. Angels have talked to Blake Snell. Now, they may have to overpay to get him. He's a Scott Boris client. But if they got Blake Snell, that's a huge credibility move because it's going to be quite a financial investment. But if Blake Snell winds up the road in San Francisco and the Angels are going to put this roster on the field, hey, I swear to you, you got time. When we're done with our podcast, you just Google Angels roster. You'll be shocked at what's on that roster versus what's not on that roster. How the hell are they going to compete? So I'm Angel fan, I'm sorry. That's where they are right now. And the Dodgers, they gave their fans an early Christmas gift. They gave everybody else in the National League West a lump of coal. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are in a different stratosphere. But for the Angel fans, they had some players that, you know, why didn't they hang on to Hunter Renfro? Why didn't Brandon Drury is a free agent, I think. So there's some guys that are serviceable. I mean, they're not going to have the star power, I don't think. But, I mean, it's better than going with some of these 4A guys, right? But remember, if if you're a veteran guy, if you're a Hunter Renfro and you're out there, because you got so much service time, your minimum salary goes up every year that you're in the major leagues. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're getting Hunter Renfro for $1.3 million. Because he's a six or seven year veteran, maybe the the cost now is six million. Mm. Well, you don't want to pay Hunter Renfro six million. So that's that's a big issue. Ah, okay, I got you there. Carry on. All right, carrying on. All right, here, let's go to Blake, and he says Rams can be a spoiler if they make the playoffs. They are playing really well together right now, and this has been great growth. You know, Matthew Stafford got smashed the last couple of years because they couldn't protect him. That young offensive line, they've got some no-name tackles and guards that are playing really well, and that's the starting point. Kyron Williams has been heavy-duty and 100-yard performances virtually every Sunday, and obviously they're deep at wide receiver. Uh, And as long as Matthew Stafford is standing upright, they're going to be good, and nobody's talking about what they do defensively. You look at their back end. Their defense was Aaron Donald up front, but you look at what's happened at linebacker with Ernest Jones, what's happened with the kids in the secondary. That team's playing that system really well, so I've been very impressed with the Rams. Now, Postseason is such a different animal. I mean, you get into the playoffs, even if it's wild card weekend, it's just really different. They, they'll they get to the wild card maybe. Do they go beyond the wild card? Depending on the matchup, That I think that's going to be a challenge. But for them to get up off the floor from a five-win season last year and do this, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, well, it depends where they go, because they'll go on the road. Where would they go? Probably to Philly? Well, we got time Maybe to, Dallas? Yeah, we don't know yet. We don't know yet, but, but maybe they'll be a roadie. It will be a roadie. I mean, maybe they'll get lucky, and, it, and it'll be against Tampa Bay, who's like a, a team they can beat. You think? Yeah, well— Well, the, Baker Mayfield might argue with that right now, because suddenly Baker is carrying that thing, and that thing's red hot. Mm-hmm. But they'll be on the road if they make the playoffs. Moving on. Let's go here to Leslie. Jeez, my Vikings did not even get a mention by Lee. Well, Minnesota's staggering at quarterback. Now they're thinking about making another change at quarterback. 
Uh, I, I, I will say this, Nick Mullins lit it up. But Nick Mullins also threw four interceptions and put balls where you say, why are you doing this? Uh, now they're talking about going uh, to Jalen Hall, the rookie, who was the emergency guy after Kirk Cousins went down. They, st- they still have dynamic people. Justin Jefferson was just unbelievable this weekend in terms of everybody knew he was going to get the ball, and they boxed him, and they covered him over the top, and he still got the ball. He made some amazing, amazing catches. I think the thing that drives you crazy, they've had a lot of problems at the end of games, running the right play or getting the plays in. There are three games that they lost because they couldn't execute right at the end of the game, including the Charger game really early in the season when they never got the play call in. Um, I mean, their record could be a heck of a lot better. So Kevin O'Connell's got his hands full right now. I don't know that I would go to Jalen Hall. I mean, these are so critical games. I'd stay with Nick Mullins, just try to refine what you're asking Nick Mullins to do so he's not making bad decisions because he did throw four picks. You can't you can't live in the NFL doing that. <laughs> yeah, you can't. But it's it's <laughs> you, you, you look at the Vikings, I kind of root for them because of Kevin O'Connell. But really, I remember as a kid, it was it was the Fran Tarkenton Vikings and they went to the Super Bowl, I think, four times, right? But since then, the Vikings haven't really been much. I mean, every once in a while, they'll get maybe one or two rounds into the playoffs. But they haven't been to the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship game in forever, right? Since the Bud Grant days. Yeah. I mean, it's been, that's a tough go. Four in that era. Yeah. In the Super Bowl. So we'll see. Tough, tough uh, final two weekends. You know, the Vikings are part of the traffic jam. The whole world is sitting there at eight and seven or seven and eight <laughs> trying to get one of those odd playoff games. Move on. Okay, let's move on. Let's go to Gary talking Chargers here. He goes, I've got news for the Spanoses. They still don't have a stadium. Justin Herbert had to go to a silent count all season at home due to visiting fan bases taking over. With the multitude of woes the Chargers already have, can't a lack of fans also affect the team's performance? SoFi Stadium has never roared like LT era at Qualcomm, embarrassing fan base up there in Los Angeles. I'll sign that memo. You, you said it all. The Chargers are the only team in the league that plays 17 road games. 17 <laughs> road games. Uh, it, it is absolutely amazing how opposing fans just overtake SoFi Stadium. And I've had just a tough luck. I mean, Herbert is so tough, so gritty. He's played for, you know, he's not been healthy for two plus years, and yet he's stayed there and played there and done very well, even with the rib cartilage injury, even even with the injury to his left hand. Now, the obviously, the fracture on the right index finger. Uh, there's a changeover coming. Uh, that roster is going to look differently next year just because of the salary cap issues. And obviously, there'll be a new general manager. There'll be a new coaching hire. There may be a new system. I do think there's going to be roster changes because they they're anywhere from 40 to 60 million above the salary cap. So they're going to have to make some changes uh, to, to fix this thing. So, yeah, I'm, the, the Bolts have got real internal problems, despite the fact they got such a sparkling guy, a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just crazy what's going on with that franchise. But it's just one thing after another with the Chargers. Unbelievable. OK, let's keep moving here um, and let's go to Ken. He goes, Bauer. How desperate are the Padres to hire a rapey reject? Well, he's never been charged. I mean, you can make whatever judgment you want about his lifestyle choices. He can still pitch. He was all-star for Yokohama Bay Stars. I think his career record is like 83 and 59, which is pretty credible in Major League Baseball. 
You could probably get him at a dirt cheap price. He's not. I don't think he's got the leverage to say I want fifteen million per year. You could probably get him for half of that, with maybe bonus things. You'd have to put up with whatever flack you would get from the the fans in San Diego if you were to get him. But if it's a one year rental and he's got a, he's got a minus P's and Q's and he gives you quality starts every fifth day, maybe you take a look at it. Uh, he's not quote repented to the decisions he made. But yet he's gone out and been a good teammate and played well. But the fact, you know, here we are almost to January, and he's been a free agent since November. Nobody signed him. He could have signed way back early. Mm -hmm. That means he's kind of toxic. And it may, you know, as desperate as the Angels are, the Angels should touch him. But they don't seem to want to go that direction either. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't signed either. I mean, especially with a lot of other pitchers coming off the board. But, you know, Otani has been signed. Um, Yamamoto's been signed. Christmas is now behind us. Here comes Snell. He'll be next. Yeah. We still got Montgomery in Texas. We got Cody Bellinger. Those are the last of the marquee names. You know, and then you move to the second tier, and there's a lot of second tier guys. You know, we talk about Bauer. Julio Urias, I think, is going to be reinstated shortly. Really? In January, because he's never been charged. Now, he's got a tainted reputation. But dude was 20 and four a year ago before yeah. he got hurt. And he strangled a girlfriend in public view in a soccer stadium. I concur with you. <laughs> um, hey, let's switch topics here. Let's go to Steven. He says, Ben and Woods threw coach under the bus for sure. They want their left winger oddball buddy Craig Elston there. BETQL network is lousy to listen to. So either one of those shows will fail. Well, Ben and Woods have been successful. But I do think that there's some blood on their hands. Craig Elston worked with me before, soccer announcer. The last time I talked to Craig Elston, he stood in the parking lot and was denouncing AM radio. He'd never, ever work there again. He went off, has done okay things with the San Diego Soccers. Uh, but is he a heavyweight? Is he a, a, a game changer in sports talk radio? No, he's just a guy. And now he's going to have to carry the stigma on his shoulders that he was one of the reasons Coach Cantera got let go. And he hangs with Ben and Woods. You can all have your own friends. I don't care about that. But you did wrong to a good guy. And you're replacing a good guy with a soccer announcer who's got a high high value of himself. I don't think he's accomplished very much in the radio industry that we've accomplished in this marketplace. And like I said, last time I saw him talk to him, he was screaming about AM radio, how he'd never, ever work in AM radio again, in sports talk radio again. And now he's here and maybe he's the heir apparent. He's going to have to face that kind of reaction from not my fans, coaches fans. Yeah, well, you know, Craig Elson's all right. He's been in the marketplace for a long time, and and technically 97.3 is FM, not AM, right? <laughs> but uh, um, this whole story, the way the whole thing unfolded was just unbelievable. Um, now, just speculation. Maybe 97.3 is making a play here with FC San Diego coming into town, and maybe they want they want a soccer announcer. Have you ever thought of that? Anything's possible. There's all kinds of guys here who can do soccer. In this market, but I don't. I don't think that the, Craig's soccer ties, uh, and he's done a nice job as chief financial officer. I, I think it might have been uh, with with the San Diego Soccer's. But 
Be that as it may, they made their decision. This is the reaction from the community, including a lot of guys in the media that I interjected with over the Christmas holidays. Not one guy in the media thinks that this was done correctly, done fairly. Yeah, it was it was terrible timing regardless. Here's another comment here from Leslie. Do you think the San Diego Padres played a role in getting Coach Cantera uh, fired, Lee? That's what Scott Kaplan is insinuating. Could be. I mean, the Padres Padres carry clout because the Padres games are on that station. The Padres lean on that station to do certain things a certain way. Uh, although I, I think some of the hosts have risen up and said, why have you done this deal, that transaction, spent the money this way? So I, I don't think it's been cheerleader radio all the time. But what disappoints me, because I come from a full-fledged sports background, that's why this podcast is successful. That's my radio career was so successful. Why would you talk Padre baseball every minute of every day and you're ignoring the NFL and you're ignoring the NFL draft and you're ignoring the playoffs just so you can talk about this backup pitcher, that second string catcher, this potential trade. You do it all the time. I wouldn't run my radio station that way because I think you need to appeal to everybody that's on the waterfront. But that's me. They do it their way. They've been successful. They got it done, I think, by default. You can package your station any way you want, but at the end of the day, the way they treated that guy was wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, no one covers sports like you, Lee. No one, I mean, seriously, no one has a talk show like you. When you first came on here, you literally blew me away, and it's awesome that we're still doing this today. Um, but the whole world of sports talk is just so volatile. You know that. Um, and now everything's going digital. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm curious to know where John is going to land because he's definitely an asset here in San Diego. He's He's got a niche and a very successful niche. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one side story, and this probably won't be received very well. Uh, right at the end of my run at the Mighty 1090, after I had been at, at Extra 690 for 22 years, and they were just, at that point in time, Clear Channel was devaluing everything in sports talk radio. They eventually got rid of an $11 million radio station when they folded 690 and moved the format to quote LA. But and I wound up at 1090, and then we had some success there, and they struggled there, et cetera. And the Padres were part of that, and the, the amount of money that had to be paid and rights fees. And it was just the, the economic model didn't work very well towards the end. But I had a consultant come in who came in and he didn't like what I was talking about, didn't like the structure of my show. And my show was guests and calls and topics across the waterfront. We had this big debate about nobody cares about NASCAR. Why are you talking Wayne Gretzky and hockey? Uh, this, this guy was based in Tampa. There was a consultant in Tampa telling me after 22 years or 28 years in San Diego what fans wanted. I said, no, I know the format. I know these fans. I know the topication. My stations know rating success and revenue success based on what I did. So don't tell me what I should and should not be talking about. Well, nobody cares about Dale Earnhardt's death. Well, damn it, we spent a whole week talking about the tragedy in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about Tiger Woods. Well, hell, I spent a whole week talking about Tiger Woods and his mistresses. Nobody cares about <laughs> hockey. We carried, we almost went two straight weeks with a Wayne Gretzky trade. Uh, and what that meant and changed hockey and how it empowered hockey on the West Coast. So I just I had a problem with the consultant. The consultant didn't like Kintera either. He made, a, I thought, a very rude comment to me in a medium because we were talking about 
what makes stations great. And my whole theory is different day parts, different personas, different structure, different delivery. That's what made 690 dynamic. Yes, it did. And I said, 1090 is much the same way. I mean, I like Scott and BR. Field goal kicker was always far wide right. Loudmouth mm-hmm. linebacker. I like that. Coach, I like that shtick. His persona, his background, people he knew, etc. And it, And the consultant insulted me and said, you don't know what you're doing any longer. The game's changed. I said, the hell I I know what works. And he made a comment about the coach, called him, nobody likes to listen to a farmer. What the hell are you talking about? How he sounds on the air. Who gives a crap how he sounds on the air? There's a lot of non-radio guys being successful on radio. Mm -hmm. And that farmer, by the way, has a tremendous following and a niche in high school sports had never been done in a major market. And what he... Nick loves and knows about Major League Baseball. He's a former coach, so don't call him a farmer. So the end result was I got into it with with a guy from Tampa, and we just totally disagreed. And when my contract came up, here's the brown envelope. Sign it. Clear out your office. Never a thank you. I spent 28 years doing sports talk radio and, and doing something never been done on the West Coast. I never got a thank you from any of the management people that I work for. Ever. Really? Yeah, this is really sad. I mean, that $11 million station was largely... Well, well, we had a whole bunch of it built, but I was the first guy through the wall. Yeah. So that, was, that to me is so disappointing that upper-level management, even though they're making a change, never said thank you. I was forever offended by that. But <laughs> so be it. Life goes on. Look what I've done in TV. Look what I've done with the website. Look at what you dragged me into with the podcast, kicking and screaming. So anyhow, that's that's the story of people from the outside making judgments on people inside who've never worked in this market. All markets are really different. So I was way too long-winded in answering that question, but I, I thought I'd get that off my chest. Well, here just to get another quick response here from Leslie. He says, I always appreciate <laughs> Lee talking hockey. Not many people in the media talk hockey. So, you know, maybe you didn't get a thank you from management, but the fans like the content that you provide. Well, if you haven't checked, check my YouTube channel, what we posted on Christmas Day, a look at the movie Slapshot. And he said, why would you do that? I lived that le- in that league. I was in that league for four years. I know all the stories. In that. And we're going to do some more podcasts down road about some of the other great sports movies. I think we could take a, a whole week and do one a day on baseball movies and obviously oh, sure. NFL stuff, things of that nature. That's, that's what we did. So I'm glad for the hockey quadrant out there, you enjoy it, just like the NBA quadrant, just like <laughs> Major League Baseball and the NFL and the NCAA and NASCAR for all you redneck fans and what's going on in Europe and F1 and IndyCar racing. And we, I like it all. I like to cover it because I just like to have the the data and the information. And I love to see what's said and written from all these different sports and then parlay some of that onto you. I'm sorry. What I do works. <laughs> I am the franchise, right? Okay. Hey, let's get some social media comments yeah, in here. Yeah, here. Because we got some good ones. And uh, let's go... Yeah. Oh, here, here is a good one. And this is a fun one. This is, this is from Jeff talking on Chargers. He goes, he goes, I don't know what you're all talking about. I think the Spanos family has done a great job since taking over in 1984. We got rid of that bum, Coriel, made the Super Bowl 94, 95, and then watched Stan retire because we couldn't protect him. Drafted the great Ryan Leaf, um, with Gilbride as our head coach, fired Marty after a 14 and two season, hired Norv, who had a sub 500 head coach.
great coaching record at the time, watched numerous stars leave, bye-bye uh, VJ, Vincent Jackson, hired Coupon Tom, wasted Juniors, Phillips, Gates, and LT's career, and we're on our way towards wasting Derwins and Keenans and Slaters and Herbo's careers. The Spanos family is nailing it. I, for one, will be buying extra season tickets this year. I guess he doesn't <laughs> approve of the method of operation of the first family of football, the Spanos family. By the way, first families, last place in the AFC West. Yeah, I mean, that's just a great rant right there, you know. And and there was just other people that had some really odd comments that were, you know, getting down on you. Yeah, here it is. This is one from uh, from Jeff. He says, enough with this bashing. You're hacksaw. Report the news with your shtick. It's hard to watch you when you're so negative. I grew up listening to you, but you are a serious downer with the negative Spanos bashing. Good luck. Well, then you're in a minority, but that's okay. You can be on a street corner standing by yourself in the rainstorm. Uh, I don't know very many people approve of what Spanos did. You know, people are bitching. Oh, the city never stepped up. All these other cities are stepping up to build stadiums. Well, excuse me. They put together the CSAG committee, the consortium that came up with city money, county money, and NFL G3 money. They had the stadium financed, and Spanos refused to go to the table to negotiate about the new stadium. He would have had to put his own money into a new stadium, but so was the NFL G3 fund plus the city and county. So don't sit here and bark that we didn't do enough because this mayor, Kevin Faulkner, unlike any of the other mayors who couldn't do it, didn't get it done. Faulkner put the consortium together to keep the team, and that owner left in the middle of the night to go for a payday. How you can forgive Spanos for how he treated 55 years of fan loyalty at Jack Murphy Stadium, at Qualcomm Stadium, how you can forgive him, I don't understand that at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people, what are you talking about when people don't want you to objectively report on what's going on with this franchise? You know, if they had been winning Super Bowls, even with all this goofiness and drama and the, the bad decisions they've made, if they were winning, you know, then it's hard to criticize. But these this ownership group is just a disaster. So, yeah, I mean, pile on <laughs> as appropriate. Hey, I'm entitled to give you all the information I think is important. And because it's my podcast, I am entitled to tell you what I think. Now, somebody driving downtown, you see the guy standing on the street corner by himself, <laughs> Jeff Bounds. He's probably got his own podcast, too. He's entitled to his opinion, even if it's wrong. <laughs> even if it's wrong. Hey, here's some comments here. This is from about the Odyssey 97.3 yeah. from Leisure Fryer. It says, Coach John Cantera was let go for monetary reasons, in my opinion. Take a look at Odyssey stock sometime. It's 22 cents a share. They were just delisted from the New York Stock Exchange in October. I'm sure Odyssey management, who are fighting for their lives, gave the order to cut, cut, cut. No idea why the Padres re-upped with 97.3. Yeah, I don't think it was financial. Uh, I mean, they have a minimal staff right now. They just don't have very many people that work in that building. Uh, now, Odyssey uh, used to be Intercom, uh, is cutting around the country. I mean, it lopped off people in their Boston stations and their Detroit sports station. Their cuts going on a lot of other places. Cumulus is in, in major financial trauma, too. I don't think this has anything to do whatsoever with finances. I think this has got to do with agendas of people at that station who wanted their friends to be part of it. And if if I'm management and I didn't like the structure of what Coach Contero was running, I would sit with him and give him some guidance and say, we need to structure this differently. But he had good ratings. And whomever listens to Ben and Woods in the morning may not listen to the coach, 
but there's a group there that listens to the coach that don't listen to other day parts. And then you got Chris and Gwyn, and that's more Padre-driven than it is anything. So I don't think the Padres had anything to do with it. I don't think this had much to do uh, with money. I just think it was structure. And somebody's best friend wanted to be on the air. And that's a terrible way, I think, to do business. If you had a 1.2 share rather than a 5 share, I could see you make a change. But to do this to that that gentleman who's given so much to radio here and people here, I think was a, I think it was a very, very bad decision, especially the way they handled it right before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, that was horrible timing. You know, speaking for myself as a longtime sports radio listener— I would build relationships almost with the hosts, sure. you know, and and sure, you know, they're all talking sort of kind of about the same stories. Right. You know, it's Padres this and NFL that. But just each individual has their own unique take, their own unique shtick. They make it entertaining in their own way. They have their own backstory and career history that makes them interesting. Now, was I a huge John Cantera listener? No, I wasn't. But I appreciated him for what he did because of the, the, the localness, you know, the fact that he was a coach at Torrey Pines and he seems to know everybody. Mm-hmm. Concur. I'll close out this segment by again stating what I said before. If you don't stand up for a friend who's going through a tough time, what kind of friend are you? I'm entitled to my opinion. You're entitled to yours. Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed this Tuesday bonus podcast. We will be back on Thursday for our regularly scheduled podcast as we're going towards a great sports weekend and the college football playoffs that begin next Monday. Our podcast brought to you by Dixieland Lumber and Home Center Stores, nine locations to serve you. These are special people. you got projects for 2024. You need to go where all the contractors go to get the information, to get the details, to get consulting help, and to get your materials at Dixieland Lumber. John, have yourself a great sports weekend. No, actually, have yourself a great sports week. We'll be back in Thursday to set the stage for what's coming up as we go to crunch time in the NFL playoff race. Yeah, it's going to be a great week. I'm looking forward to San Diego State Gonzaga on Friday. Oh, can't wait for that. Hey, thanks for being with us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.